Hello and welcome to the Lost Map podcast. I am your eternal host, Pictish Trail. I'm here in my lovely, well it's actually quite messy, shed on the Isle of Egg in Scotland. What a month it's been. Last month's episode you'll have heard quite a groggy Pictish Trail. I was in recovery mode having just played a few festivals back to back. I'd just released a brand new tune as well called Natural Successor. Do you remember that? This is the bit of the podcast where I talk about the last episode of the podcast. Sorry, no, that's not what this is. I'm bringing it up because right at the start of last month, there was a lot of exciting things kicking off. And now a month later, start of a brand new month, things are a little different. I'm a different person now. You know, back then I was someone who had a UK tour lined up throughout October supporting Django Django. I'm not that person anymore. Due to circumstances and uncertainties around COVID, Django Django had to pull their UK and European tour. And where does that leave me? It leaves me at home on egg with two children and what can only be described as 400 sheep. I'm just messing around. Big love to the Django's. I love those dudes with all my heart. They've been very kind to me over the years. Their new album's fantastic and they did me the honour of an amazing remix of Natural Successor, which is coming out as a 12-inch later on this month. But what else has happened? How else have I changed? I've aged. Yes, dear listener, I'm no longer that young, lithe whippersnapper that you once knew. I'm older now. I just had a birthday. It was a big one. And uh, I feel good. I feel good about it. I invited a bunch of very good pals up to the Island of Egg. That's where I am now. That's where, that's where I live. You know this. I invited them up and... I invited them up under the auspices of there being a party, which there was, but I also needed a cast and crew for a music video. And what better present could there be than the gift of one's time, energy and dignity for a friend's music video? <laughs> it's for the song Natural Successor, previously mentioned. We filmed it this past weekend and... Uh, It wasn't that rainy. And the people that I insisted upon wearing spandex, they got into it, you know. I don't want to give too much away at this point, not too many spoilers. But all being well, the music video should be out later on this month. Big love to everyone that was involved. And it was nice actually having this project that we could work on together. It was team building. The party afterwards was was destructive, but in the best possible way. And so that's where I am now. I'm a new man. I'm a different man. I mean, actually, in many ways, I'm not that different to the groggy, horse-sounding Pictish trail that you heard on last month's episode, but, um, hmm. Yeah, I feel different spiritually. Anyway, it's our October 2021 episode that you're listening to. It's also the 12th episode in the current series. That won't really mean anything significant for you listeners. You just treat this podcast like it was a strictly quarterfinal. You just waltz in... And you pass Adobe out, don't you? Hmm? That's a that's a new bit that I'm working on. It's what I use podcasts for, really, just trying out some material that I can use later on on stage. I did a bit a few episodes ago about audiences revolting against underprepared artists, and I used that on stage at Green Man Festival, inadvertently fat shaming a fellow performer. If you were there, you'll you'll know who I'm talking about, but I'm, I'm not going to reveal who now. I still feel really bad about it. Although as someone who, you know, I identify as someone who's an overweight performer. So really, it was about me, that bit. 
Anyway, back to what I was talking about. This is the 12th episode in the current series. And so it's basically been an entire year of us doing the podcast in this format. And a year, you know, maybe it's just because I've had my birthday, but I'm up for taking stock around these milestones. I've reached that age. I'm not going to tell you what age, but I'm really proud of all the stuff that we've done over that time. We've had some support from Creative Scotland for a year now. And over that time, we've been able to invest in our Postmap Club and in this podcast, using that money to commission new work from the Lost Map Collective. And the amount of stuff that's come out of it has been really cool. There's been video sessions, live recordings, exclusive tracks and remixes. We've been able to pay for studio time for full EPs and albums and also fund brand new collaborations as well as artwork and music videos. It's made Postmap Club stronger than ever. And it's got us to the point now where we can continue doing that work and be self-sufficient just from Postmap Club membership fees. Maybe you're new to all this and you're sat at home thinking, what is Postmap Club? What is Postmap Club? Postmap Club, Postmap Club, Postmap Club, it's a very nice club. Early in the morning, just as day is dawning, Victor's trail is talking loads of shite. Postmap Club is our membership club in which we send you postcards in the post at the turn of every month. These printed postcards have a bit of artwork on the front or a photograph and on the other side they contain download codes where you can download new music that we've released on the label. Things like new singles, there's exclusive tracks, there's rarities, live sessions, audio experiments, all from different members of the Lost Map Collective. We send you at least two or three postcards each month and when you sign up for the first time you get a double bumper pack of different postcards. You also get a membership badge, a monthly newsletter from me, as well as discount codes for other merchandise on our web shop. It's a nice way for you to support what we're doing as a label. If you enjoy this podcast and you like the music that you hear, you should sign up. There are currently three tiers of membership, starting at just £3 a month. And all three tiers get exactly the same stuff. The only difference is, if you pay more, you get a slightly bigger badge. You can also purchase a gift membership. If you've got a loved one who's a music fan and you're struggling to think of what to get them, why not get them the gift of a year's subscription to Postmap Club? You can find out more information on how to become a member or purchase a gift membership by going to lostmap.com forward slash club. This month in the Postmap Club mailbag, members will receive three different postcards. There's some new music from Sulka, the Glasgow-based singer-songwriter Lucas Klassen. And there's also some new tunes from our London-based Chanteuse, she's French, Clementine March. And uh, we'll get to both of them later on in today's episode. But just now, I want to tell you about the third postcard that subscribers will receive. And that is by our good pal, Emma Cooper. Emma was the lead singer and songwriter with the Sheffield-based indie band Standard Fair, She went on to front Mammoth Penguins and is one half of the Heyman Cooper band with Hefner's Darren Heyman. You might recall Emma released a birthday card on Postmap Club with her original song Happy Birthday earlier on this year. For this month's Postmap Club, Emma has recorded a live session for us consisting of six songs, some of which are brand new and as yet unreleased. 
She's recorded these at her home in Ely in Cambridgeshire, accompanied by her wee dog Bramble, who actually, you don't hear him, he's silent, but he was there. It's a really beautiful, intimate session. We're going to play you a track from it right now. It's the song Nothing At All. That's the name of the song. The original version of that song appeared on her debut solo album, It Will Come Easier, which came out on FICA recordings last year. Here she is. Here's Emma. Hello, listeners. This is Emma Cooper, spelt K-U-P-A, and I'm going to be playing some songs and maybe saying a little bit about them. Uh, This first song is a good warm-up one for me because I'm a bit nervous. And I wrote it a number of years ago. It's called Nothing At All and it still articulates how I feel about some of the horror and bad stuff in this world and wanting to make it a bit better or contribute in some way and it not always feeling, not knowing how. Um, but music helps, is a good start and I keep looking for different ways to do positive things. So anyway. Gotta stop looking around Gotta stop looking around I'm gonna close my eyes now Gonna close my eyes You can't keep talking like that You can't keep carrying it round You can't keep talking like that You can't keep carrying it What am I supposed to do? What can I even do? Absolutely nothing, nothing, nothing at all Gotta stop all this eye contact What am I trying to prove? What the hell is that? It's not like anything's changed It's not like anything's changed So why am I trying? Why am I trying? What am I supposed to do? What can I even do? Absolutely nothing, nothing, nothing at all. 
thanks very much for listening and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Thank you, Emma. What an absolute pro. What an absolute podcast pro. You can listen to Emma's full session by signing up to Postmap Club. And it's worth a listen because it contains some exclusive news on our residency program, Visitations. Visitations. I'm not going to give any more clues about that. We'll have some more news on this month's other Postmap Club releases later on in today's show. Okay, now we're going to have an in-depth look at the music of Jenny Moore's Mystic Business. On the 8th of October, we're releasing the group's new EP, He Earns Enough, on 12-inch vinyl. It consists of five songs, really powerful and primal choral punk incantations that draw upon R&B and pop to create something truly original. Jenny Moore's Mystic Business is fronted by Jenny Moore, a London-based artist originally from Canada who has immersed herself in the art world over here, forming performance collectives, creating sculpture and recording music with various acts. With Mystic Business, Jenny is joined by five other singers, including Rachel Horwood of Bassian and Trashkit, Louise O'Connor, Nandy Baby, Jenny B and Ruby. We sent Jenny Moore some questions and she's taken the time to record some answers here and we hope it serves as quite a full introduction to her world. And throughout you'll hear clips of music taken from the He Earns Enough EP itself. This is Jenny Moore. I'm coming at you from the top floor of my house in Leighton, which is in London. And today I have been trying to figure out how much wine is in a box, like how many glasses of wine is in a box for a banquet that I'm putting on with some friends in Tower Hamlets, <laughs> a nature reserve. It's not a nature reserve, but do you know what? This is the, the most important point is that there is a banquet happening in amongst some trees with a bunch of singers other than outside of my Jenny Moore's Mystic Business band self. I also run a choir called F Choir and it is a motley crew of people from around London who make a lot of noise together. So we are having a banquet. I grew up in Winnipeg, Manitoba, which is in the center of Canada. I grew up going to church and youth group and playing in sort of straight edge hardcore bands that made a lot of noise and sort of tried to be like bad without being like super bad. So we made a load of noise. I, I was sometimes like the the kind of girl with a guitar playing while the louder bands set up behind me. So I would sort of take the stage while everyone sat down in the, on the floor of the community center and smoked, which was a vibe. And I would play my angry kind of punk folk songs knock things over on my acoustic guitar <laughs> while big stacks of martial amps and whatnot were being uh, moved behind me. That's where I grew up. And so I kind of accidentally like played music in church and in my family. My Lots of people in my family are musicians. So I had this accidental skill of like singing and making noise and, and playing guitar and whatnot. I've kind of put that to the side for a while when I was like my late teens, early 20s, because there was so much other like wild shit going on in my personal life. 
And because I do think I ended up using music to refine myself, but it's like I had to walk away from it and do this really weird, windy, windy, bendy journey away from it in order to know what I needed from it. So I put it to the side. I went to art school. Even though I'd like never made art before, I was like, I'm pretty sure that I might be good at university. I should go to university. So I did that. And then that's what brought me to London. So I came to London to do an MFA in fine art at Goldsmiths. And when I left Winnipeg to come to London to do that, even though I only had like two years of a plan, I kind of knew, I I absolutely wept when I went through the gates at the airport. And I think it's because somewhere in me, I sort of knew that I wasn't coming back. Anyways, I haven't gone back. Well, I've gone back to visit. But I still live in London 15 years later. And over that time, I've just done loads of different things. So like I said, I, I went to art school. So I worked as an artist. I made sculptures and like installations and performances and moved into old buildings with other artists and tried to make collectives. And um, I worked in a sixth form and secondary school as an art technician. It was an academy. So it was like a mess. It was just like the Wild West taught things that I wasn't supposed to teach it was wild but the kids were wicked and then I started working more in like museum and gallery education trying to think about how art could make school more fun or could actually help kids sort of talk about stuff that they weren't really able to talk about in school and that led to a really amazing project which I'm super proud of called Bedfellows me and a couple other artists Phoebe Davis and Chloe Cooper worked for five years teaching, well, kind of like creating a feminist sex education curriculum. I mean, I, I say that like with quotation marks around it because there, we ended up working with loads of people who actually do that for a living and actually make curriculum. But we were trying to, I was really interested in using like singing, voices, bodies, making sounds as a way of talking about consent, about desire, of giving younger people and also teachers sort of tools and like opportunity to say what they liked and what they didn't like because that's a really important part of sex. So music has kind of came back for me there. It was around that time that I also started Charismatic Megafauna, which is the dance punk band that I played in for nine years. We have just announced our retirement, RIP, Charismatic Megafauna. But that also kind of came from being like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if we were in a band where we all played drums? And that was how I started playing drums was trying to make a little bit of a joke about all of my friends wanting to be drummers. So yeah, my journey to like music is not condensed and you can't really do an overview in a way that makes sense. I can draw you one little path and that's one little path. Now we're at the point where I learned how to play drums with two of my other friends, Susanna Worth and Georgia Twig, and we became the Beast Charismatic Megafauna and that gave me loads of confidence and perspective and focus and reminded me like oh my god I play music like I understand something about music and where it comes from in my body that I just never had with art I um, always made art like a drummer I think you made the road made the road This moment 
right now that I am experiencing where someone or some bit of my life or some situation like asks me a question and I don't have any words for it but I have a feeling in my body so my chest is getting a bit tighter yeah I feel like a little pressure on my chest I feel like fluid swooshing around in my thighs I feel a bit constricted in my throat but not in the like I can't breathe way but in the way that like I wish I had a good answer and I think that's partly what inspires me to create is like wishing that I could find a better answer for some of the like bullshit that happens and also some of the totally amazing mind-blowing serendipitous cosmic stuff that happens in life and trying to like use both verbal and non-verbal and like words and rhythms and pictures and objects and textures and experiential like forms of being together to live in the contradictions of what it means to be a human I think that's what inspires me to create but also like my friends inspire me like (laughs) stuff I see on the internet choirs the sounds of birds (laughs) also like my own rage and anger and discontent my own like passion and love for people and for things that I can't really connect to in my normal life but through art or through music I can like fake it I can sort of make this fiction or I can make this temporary reality where I can connect to things that actually I really struggle to connect with in my normal life or I can connect to a part of myself or I can stand up for something that I feel really terrified to stand up for outside of that moment. So the new EP is called He Earns Enough, because obviously he does. It was recorded about two years ago. It was at, recorded with Toby Burroughs from the band Posse, who is an absolute icon. And he was great to work with. We got together in his tiny studio, which was great for us as a really big band of six people. We couldn't actually really set up all the instruments at once. Or maybe we did once, but it was not... COVID regulations, let's say. But we recorded in a matter of of about four or five days. We had been gigging loads, and so we just went in and tried to play everything from beginning to end, what we'd been playing all summer, and then sort of went in and, and redid little bits and pieces. My overall feelings about the process was that this was fucking awesome and some of the most fun that I've had making music, if I'm honest. There was something like really confident and unapologetic about the process and about my feelings both about the band and about the songs I don't know if it was just something in the air that I was like I am tired of worrying (laughs) because I know that these tunes are good and they're in my body now and we've played them out and they make a kind of sense to me I felt really strongly about all the messages in them about this sort of strange combination of pop and choral like expanded vocal technique kind of things but with a little bit of like a hip-hop beat here and some kind of gospel harmonies there it's like the first time that I just accepted that this is the kind of weird combo of music that I make yeah I really wanted to hear it I wanted to hear everything really well and give everything kind of space I wanted everyone's voice 
to be on there and to be like appreciated for all of its texture and its difference because I think the thing about Mystic Business is like it's not like a choral project where everybody blends together and sings like angels even though they are angels it's more the individual qualities of each person's voice how they breathe when they breathe how their accent wraps itself around like my Canadian words all of that matters and is is kind of in the music and I really was excited to hear that he earns enough i really love london bulgarian choir it's something that i listen to really on the regular or like american shape singing there's also an irish version of shape singing or sacred harp is another thing that that it's called and And I guess I really wanted to write something that did sort of the same thing that happens to me when I listen to music in a language that I don't speak, which is that I get really wrapped up in like the vocal quality, my expectation changes. So the way that people form words and the way that they like use their voices and stuff have a lot more inner space for, and I don't get stuck in this kind of like, is this good singing or bad singing, which is literally like the poison of singing. So I really try to not think about that. But yeah, I was playing this little xylophone riff and I just started singing sounds and I thought, is it possible that I could work backwards and use these sounds to kind of build up a tension or a kind of emotional landscape out of which can grow this sentence here and enough, which is why the song starts with he, 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 ya. It sort of tries to pull apart the words. This is also like... um. It kind of is like a Pauline Oliveris sonic meditation. So Pauline Oliveris was an American composer. One of those sonic meditations is taking apart a word and exploring every vowel and every consonant and just stretching it out for as long as you possibly can. And then doing a bit quicker, a bit quicker, a bit quicker until everyone in the group is kind of saying their word really, 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 really fast. So in a way, it's like, it's like a pop song version of that. I don't know if I've ever written a song that is so straightforwardly true. And I don't think I really realized until this song came out as a single and it was like played out a bit and people started writing to me saying like that they really understood this feeling and people saying, wow, this is really powerful. This is like a real thing that I feel as a woman walking around this kind of experience of adjusting one's behavior or oneself all the time, not just on the surface, not just like walking outside and not just how you look or like how you talk or something like that. But it's so insidious that it's like you rearrange the whole inner bits of you. Yeah, I started to feel really shy (laughs) and sheepish when people started to write this to me. And I listened back 
And I thought about it not being just something that like feels really good for me to sing and and play and like this groove that I just can get lost in. But I just listened to like, I am afraid of myself and what I might do and realized that I've never really said anything more true and also that it's really terrifying. And that, you know, one's anger is pretty much always earned and recognizing that I had it and that sometimes I do crave revenge was kind of like terrifying. I am afraid of myself. I am afraid of myself. I am afraid of myself and what I might do. I have been taught to be afraid. I have been taught third song is called wild mix and i wrote this tune after reading the xeno feminist manifesto which was like a big text quite academic or quite like wordy it was like academic poetry for me it really captured my imagination but i didn't really know what it was saying (laughs) so i spent some time with it and decided to just try and like weave some of the things that stuck out into a tune Sometimes when I'm writing, especially if I'm like trying to explore a theme or I'm like improvising a vocal line, which is pretty much the entire way that I write vocals, I just lean on a chord again and again. And this tune, that never changed. So I just lean on a big fat D the whole time and then let the voices shift and change the chords and let the drums kind of be tuneful and intermittent. So it's more like trying to build like a bog or a swampland or like a foggy misty forest and then the singing is like people trying to find their way through that forest is a word which is a cover of an empress of song i really was struck by the lyrics of this song when i first heard it i never really heard anyone talk about being a woman in this way it was like very internal really funny as well i love the line i'm always coming on the inside when you're coming on the outside i mean it's like it's like rude and poetic i mean as someone who used to teach sex education i'm like yes thank you for dropping that in <laughs> But also just the idea that I'm only a woman if woman is a word. That, you know, there's so many external factors that are trying to define what woman is all the time. And that being a woman is like a very personal experience. And each woman knows what that is for her. I'm always coming on the inside. 
We will invent a language. It is a kind of manifesto of sorts. I wrote this when I was thinking about if I was in charge of the world being different when everything opened up again after the pandemic, what it might feel like and what it might feel like to be me and what it might feel like to be us. That song kind of started from the drumbeat and this text that I'd written, which was like basically just a desire for the world to change. And then I started to imagine everyone that I knew and that I loved sort of finding a voice, finding a little place in the song. I don't know, really, I felt like I could be a bit adventurous in the singing and didn't think about if we could perform it live and just wrote something that was like this woven landscape of potentiality. I sent it to everybody. They learned it on their own and we got into a studio with Joy Stacy at Goldsmiths Music Studios. I was like, this is a bop, let's try it. And we just like recorded it without ever having played it before. But it seemed to fit in the little family of songs and it is indeed a bop. I can't wait for people to jump around to it. We breathe as we need to. The air will allow it. The clock will allow it. The food will allow it. We will think all the time with bodies, with space, with each other, with words, with feeling, with hands, with legs, with walking, with swimming, with long notes and short shouts. We will be able to push ourselves through the space. We will ask questions and we will refuse to answer. We will look long. We will be able to make eye contact. We will find ourselves in the sunlight sometimes and other times in dark rooms. Hiding in, for finding others in, for watching the sky in. We will invent language. We will invent language. Maybe we can write and dance somewhere on a wall, on a floor, in a room, in a pile, in a paper, on our bodies. On our bodies.
thanks so much to Jenny Moore for that great chat. The song you just heard in full was We Will Invent a Language and it's taken from the He Earns Enough EP by Jenny Moore's Mystic Business. It's out on October 8th on 12-inch vinyl from Lost Map Records. You can purchase it on our Bandcamp or directly from the Lost Map website. Postmap Club members will receive a voucher code for a discount on the vinyl and you can also pick up a copy in person from Jenny herself as the band are playing an EP launch on Sunday the 10th of October in London at the Victoria in Dalston. It's an afternoon performance and promises to be a special show. There's a solo support slot from our good pal Rachel Ags of the band Trash Kit and Sacred Paws. There's more info and a ticket link in the show description of this podcast. Right, now on to our regular feature, first gig, worst gig. In the hot seat this week is another London-based artist, this time via Paris. It's Clementine March. We released Clementine's debut album, Le Continent, at the beginning of 2020, and it was followed up by the standalone single, Elixir, and then the solo acoustic album, Songs of Resilience, which came at the very end of that same year. 2020 wasn't that bad, was it? Hmm. Throughout 2021, Clem's been working on some new tunes and there's another new single out via Postmap Club this month. It was recorded at Rumbaba Studios with Toby Burrows of the band Posse, who was mentioned by Jenny Moore in her interview earlier on. This is a song called Isolated. You'll hear it in full, but only after Clem reveals her first gig, worst gig. A recurring section of the podcast in which artists let us know about the first gig that they attended as a punter and the effect it had on them and the worst gig they've ever played themselves as a performer. Brace yourselves. Excuse me. First gig, worst gig. Hello everyone, I'm Clementine March. I'm going to talk today about first gig, worst gig. As you may notice with my accent, I'm French. And my first gig was going to see Sting in 1993 in Paris. And I was 13 or 14 that year. And it was really, really the first concert I remember. I mean, it's obviously the first real concert. It was in a French big venue called Bercy. And it was the equivalent of O2, basically, in London. And actually, it was some friends of my dad. They were massive fans, like super fans. And I barely knew about the police at the time, because obviously in the early 90s, they were playing on the radio still a lot. And in France, there is a sense of like, you know, they were playing lots of British pop from uh, the late 70s, early 80s. And I have to say, it was kind of a great experience. I'm, I can't say I'm a huge fan right now. But the few songs are actually well written, but it's also a bit cheesy. What impressed me the most, I remember, is like the volume. Like it was massive. I never heard like amplified music like that before. It was quite impressive. I remember seeing a huge crowd like that. So that was my first gig experience. My worst gig experience as a musician. I used to have a band in Paris like 10 years ago called Water Babies. It's the band where I started writing my own songs, but I wasn't singing them. I was playing them and sharing the, the lyrics with an amazing singer and artist called Amélie. She, she's got a project called Sophia Bolt in the, in the US at the moment. She's a French-American. She lives in LA. And uh, so that gig was... 
like in a tiny, tiny, tiny venue in Paris. And we were learning our trade as, as a band. So we were accepting a bit everything. And that night we were in this venue where the sound engineer had total control on us because we were plugged on the DI system. And a DI system, if you don't know what it is, it's like when you plug your instrument on the console. So basically you're, you're being controlled by that person, which is totally fair enough. But that guy wasn't very nice. And his name was the Jackal. And I swear it's not, it's not a joke. It was named Jackal. And it was his nickname, obviously. But if you want to be called that way, it's really crazy. Basically, he forbid us to to drink anything on stage. And my drummer, Guillaume, at the time, who also plays in Le Continent album, if you know that album, Guillaume had hidden uh, like a pint of beer behind his, his, his kick drum. And so he thought he wouldn't notice it. But then we, st we started the first song, we played the first song. And then we, when we started the second song, like nothing was sounding nothing at all like so we were playing guitar for like no sounds was 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 in the room even for us and so we were a bit lost and that guy said i said i don't want to see any alcohol on stage and like he was so rude with us and that was really a bad experience and we played in front of almost no one and then at the end of the concert so instead of like just allowing the musicians like us to to chill out and to go out the stage and like you're having a, a proper finale for the for the for the show. He just said, "What band next?" <laughs> it was so so rude. But in a way, I like this story because first of all, it's quite funny now to tell it. At the time, it felt totally absurd. But you know, you're learning this way in a way. And I felt like I learned a lot that night about you know, behaviors and strange experience. I have another very bad experience worth gig also in Paris, but it involves like some uh, weird smells from the sewer. And maybe it's a bit too rude for the beautiful Lost Map podcast, so I don't want to talk about that too much. Thank you for listening.
Cheers to Clementine March for her first gig, Worst Gig. You just heard her new single, Isolated, in full there. It'll be on streaming platforms later on this month, but it's out now as part of our Postmap Club with an exclusive B-side. Postmap Club members this month will also receive the live session postcard from Emma Cooper, as well as a postcard from Salka. We'll get to that in a wee minute. If you've enjoyed any of the music in today's programme so far and you'd like to support what we do as a label, as well as receive something in the post every month, you should sign up to Postmap Club. Go to lostmap.com forward slash club. So yes, we'll close today's show with a new track from Salka, aka Lucas Klassen. He's a prolific Glasgow-based singer-songwriter whose album Take Care we released on Compact Disc with the Lyric Zine earlier on this year. There was also a cassette edition that we co-released with Gold Mold, another Glasgow-based label. Lucas has recorded a follow-up EP which is set for release in December. The Front Door EP is the name of the EP. And from it, this first tune is called Skyline. It's a really beautifully warm acoustic-led tune. I really love this guy's songwriting and production. There's an intimacy to it that always pulls at the heartstrings. Fans of Sparkle Horse and Yola Tango will find much to enjoy here, I think. That's it for today's show. Thanks for listening. And thanks to Creative Scotland for their support over the past 12 months. We're going to continue for as long as we can under our own steam now. Big love to Joe Cormack, who co-produced and edited the show. I've been picked his trail. We'll catch you again next month. Here's Salka with Skyline. friend